We have to coordinate stuff here. <laughs> but uh, it's about potential. Climbing Everest is about your potential. I believe, this is just me, never heard it from anybody else, and you could, you could just muse on it. But I believe that when we take our life and render it for pleasure or a self-measured uh, accomplishment, like Everest would be, because there's just, there's just 3,600 people that have ever done it, some of them multiple times, but there's 6,000 climbs that have been successful and less than 4,000 people that have done it. But that you're, I think you're tempting Christ to put your life on the line. You think about all the people that went into hell daring their life and then went into hell without Jesus. What, what, a, what a cash out that would be. There's another thing about being too careful with your life where you don't, you don't want nothing to touch you and no germs to be around you because you're, you're one of those. It's like, I just there's a daring hell to do the gospel and then there's just a, a futility of the thrill seeker that goes out there just because it's never been done or they want to measure themselves. We, we have to use our life for the intended potential. Would y'all agree with that? That since we're on assignment, we're not our own, but we're bought with a price. And it's not really like, well, this is what I want to do. It could be that that's really not our call, even though we can make the call. Access is not permission. Just because you can make the call about a lot of things doesn't mean you have permission to do it and doesn't mean it's going to be rewarded uh, positively. If you would, in your word this morning, turn to me with me to the book of Matthew 25. I, I have changed the title for everybody that needs to know. <laughs> There's a theory behind all this. I know y'all don't care, and, but I don't care that you don't care. So we took it from engaging your achievability factor, that didn't have much ring to it, to who are you and what are you going to do with your one and only life? I like that better. It's kind of hard to get in that little space on the, on the, uh, on the chart. Hallelujah. Who are you and what are you going to do with your one and only life? Well, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, we, we could talk about sin. Well, Jesus thinks he solved the sin problem. We could talk about health and healing, but Jesus thinks he solved the sickness problem. We could talk about uh, lack and need, but Jesus thinks he solved the supply and funding problem. So really, let's talk about some stuff that we don't know his stand on it. Matthew 24, 25, verse 14 says, For the... For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. I don't guess he had to deliver all of his goods. He just delivered his goods, some of his goods. And to one he gave five talents of gold or silver, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. So according to their several ability, 
So it wasn't a, a democracy where everybody gets the same, go do the best you can. Uh, there's several reasons here that he did that. As a businessman, and this is obviously what he was, we're all businessmen and women. We all are taking our talents and our time and our, our treasure. We're all banking it in some way, how we use our time every day. You're banking that you're going to be using it the best and that it'll pay off and that you'll get time. You'll save time or you'll make time. But we know that this was not necessarily the most that these men were capable of. Five, two, and one, two of them excelled that, exceeded that, did better than that. So the, maybe, maybe he really was talking to a 52 man and a 48 man, but he just shelled out five and two, and they passed the test. Maybe he was looking for the one man. Maybe he had a thief or an embezzler in the group. Maybe he had someone that uh, he was trying to, to call out and he developed a system to let them be seen without just accusing them. He, he let the thing play out. Uh, resistance is the way you measure strength. If you want to know how strong a glue is, you glue two boards together, let them dry a day. And then the, the amount of pressure or strength that it takes to pull those two boards together measures the glue. Would that be right? Yes. You know, you'd say good glue, bad glue, but that's the strength of the glue. Well, our character is measured also. We're measured by resistance. What we're able to resist. Some people are able to resist great things, even evil things like drugs or liquor or tobacco or whatever else is sex or whatever else is out there. There's lots of measures or tests that measure us. And we then tend to measure other people based on how well they do. Well, they're a drunk. What does that mean? Well, they were measured by alcohol or an addiction and they weren't strong. But I, I on the other hand, you could say, but I don't do that. I, that doesn't bother me a bit. I can walk into a liquor store and go all the way to the back and come out and never touch a drop. Same thing with other things. We're measured by temptation, the strength that it takes to resist it. And there might be a point for some things where we would succumb, we would yield, we would say, I just, I just can't do it. You might say, well, I'm, I don't, I let that tobacco and liquor and all that stuff, I'm strong. But what if we said you have to have no more time with your child? You're going to have to, you're, you're spending too much time with your child. You need to spend more time with the kingdom or your husband or whatever. And we're going to, that's going to kind of like, oh, then, then they would fold like a, a chair. Uh oh, he's meddling. And then like the day that uh, Debbie's grandfather could not throw a leg over a horse. He was a cowboy. Was the worst day he ever had. Because that was, that was the end of life. The day my father, it's, he could not, the bottom rung on a tractor, he, he couldn't put that foot up there and pull himself up. So he went to the house. It's over. So you go, that's a funny way to end life. So what keeps you and me from being like those two men and, and many others? Well, it's because we developed a capacity 
a potential that's able to absorb that test and pass it. We don't leave ourselves vulnerable. You know, a, a screen door, one inch, a one inch screen door on a submarine will send that puppy to the floor, to the bottom. It doesn't have to be big. So we have to fill every, every area of temptation. We have to be strengthened by his might in our inner man. Because the devil doesn't have to send them all, all the temptations like liquor and tobacco and drugs and all that. He doesn't have to send them all to put you out. He's just got to find the one area and just a hole in your armor. The sword goes in and, 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 and you're done. But most Christians are not proven. These, these three uh, guys here, the five, two, and the one were proven. Two of them said, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, which indicates it wasn't their limit. It wasn't the max that they could have done. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. But then the other one that said, I didn't want to take the test. I didn't want you knowing how weak I was. He said, well, we know how weak you are. And we're going to take your talent away, your measure, give it to the man that had 10, and we're going to throw you out. Uh, but there is a way to increase our capacity, and that's what I'm on right now. What's the name of this thing? Who are you and what can you do with your one and only life? I want to I wanna talk about what are we going to do with our one and only life? Because it's not enough just to go to heaven. It's not enough to pass the Jesus test and say, I'm born again. Yes, I am. Well, we're glad and that is good. And you have a potential of winning thousands of other people to the Lord because of what you did. Your, your potential in that view is, is amazing. And like Lynn said, if we just get 10% return, it'll triple this place. Think about that. So there's just a lot of ways. But you and I are living a rather at whatever level it is, a rather predictable life. We factor in the troubles, the, the things that we didn't expect, but then we also schedule in fun stuff. Let's go to the mountains. Let's go to the beach or wherever you go. Hebrews chapter five. Would you turn there with me? Hebrews chapter five. There's a measure in all of us. Five, two or one. 50, 43, 10,000. And you're not stuck with it. I was reading about IQ yes, the day before. Uh, I was amazed by this story of the savant. And I was fascinated about how that happened. There was a the average IQ, best what I could tell, is 98. And uh, uh, Garland was talking about autistic. A lot of times a savant or a, a genius, not a genius, a savant or an autistic person is very deficient in a, a, a daily IQ or a daily capacity. Their potential is small. But then through some strange misconfiguration. In other words, it's kind of like everything vacated this side of your head and went to this side and loaded up. It's, it's, it's an amazement. So this, this woman, she's, uh, she's raised five kids. She's, got, she's 40, 
something years old, her husband, something happens to him. She marries another man. And from her work, they call her and say, we've got a child here, a baby here. Do you want him? And he had no, he had glaucoma as a newborn. I never heard of that. And so they surgically removed his eyes. And he was just, he was just, uh, he was just a mass. He had no body tone. He was uh, six years old before he could sit up. He didn't walk until he was 16, 14. Uh, and she worked with him. But th then the amazing thing about this story, he, I mean, he, was, he had no value. She had to put food in his mouth and then gag him, push your finger into the back of his throat, and he would open his throat in a gag and she would push the food down. That's how she fed him every, every bite that he had for years and years. And he couldn't walk. And so therefore he couldn't do a lot of other things. I mean, just a, a, a terrible mess. But they would ask her about Lou, uh, uh, whatever his name was, Lewis. And, and she said, ah, there's life. This is what's so good. There's life in me. And everything I touch has life in it. And they said, well, what about this? What about this boy? He said, ah, he's fine. He's fine. There's life in me and there'll be life in him. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you for a miracle. And you talk about way back from possibilities and potential. You know, sometimes you can see a little hope, a little glimmer, and you build on that. Well, that, there wasn't much there. And... Uh, so she just would say it. And so what her and her husband would do is they'd put the phonograph on and they'd have Mozart's 57th concerto or whatever, you know, all those things, just really amazing music that was and piano things and mostly piano things that were very demanding. And these people had wrote it and played it and played it every day. They just played it for themselves. And so she bought a piano. I wasn't going to talk about this, but let's let's go there. Uh, she bought a, 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 a Wurlitzer for two hundred twenty five dollars and she would uh, have him in the room over there propped up in a in a kind of a bed thing because he, he couldn't he couldn't sit up. He couldn't raise his head. He couldn't do anything. And she'd go over there and she said and she would plunk the piano. D, 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 D. He'd just plunk it. And then they would play the the, the phonograph. Well, one day when he was 16, he had learned to walk because she'd put him up against a chain link fence and taught him how to put his fingers in the fence. And he would stand there and then she would teach him to go down the fence sideways until she could finally teach him walk one step to me. I mean, the boys like he would be in high school if he was normal. So he's sitting over there. And just listening. So one night, they were all in bed. At three in the morning, she said to her husband in bed, said, did you leave the telly on? And he said, no. And there was this raucous noise in the house. And she got up and went into the living room. And Lewis is over there playing this music. I mean, the, not missing a note. I, there's video of it. I watched the video. It's a... 25 minute video and he's just playing it and playing it and playing it and and not just playing it at the end where they go dee 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 
ding, ding, you know, that, that sort of thing, how they end songs in a concert. He had every part of it. He couldn't see. He had never, he just walked a little bit before that and he was over there with no muscle tone and just was dinging it out. And that was a miracle. And then two years later, and she said, that's my boy, that's my miracle. And that's what I'm really going at is, this man had no potential, this family had no capacity for anything but a vegetable child. And she just said some words regularly. There's life in me and there's life in whatever I touch. And she would say that to him. And then one day he was playing along and he stopped and he changed songs and he sang. They'd never heard him speak. He sang for two years before he could speak. He just started. And so uh, and then the one I watched was uh, they had a journalist there and they said uh, the, the thing says, does he know Louis Armstrong? And the man sat down at the he found his way over to the keyboard and he didn't feel the keys like you would somebody blind. He just laid his hands on it and started singing. Hello, Dolly. Well, you know, that's that's not just like anybody can sing. Hello, Dolly and sound exactly like Louis Armstrong. But I promise you, if you watch the video, it's on YouTube. That's what he sounded like. So. It's just amazing. And I'm telling you, we're not living that. This is my story this morning in the Lord Jesus. We're not we're not different than this. Would he be a savant? I don't know. You know, whatever the definition is. He, he, he changed completely. And it was just a, an older, his, you know, his mama was 60. And, and he's just amazing. I mean, you, if I, if any of us took training and did that, you'd go, I had a girl, that, that's, that's, but he never had a lesson. He just heard it one time, heard it one time. That's what they said. He would hear songs one time and they'd say, hey, Leslie, go over there. And yeah, it was Leslie was his name. And he just, he wouldn't feel the keys to see where he was. He just, he would, he would launch like a cat on a mouse. He'd just launch his hands to the keyboard and be, and he'd just start from there. I mean, it's amazing. And my point is, if that why not us? You go, well, we're not we're not in that shape. No, we got a head start. We we've been we've been out there, but we think good enough. And there's a mindset in the church. There's a mindset about Christians that that we're not even as smart as the world. That we choose to be Christians because we're weak. We need a crutch. We need a we need a supernatural God that can take us where we don't think we can go and the highly educated think, well, they can get there through their intellect and through their, their training. Well, that's interesting that I shared that. Hallelujah. Uh, because I was not going to. But there's a measure in all of us. This is my point. There's a measure in all of us, every one of us, that can increase with use. With use. Say with me. With use. And I've got a scripture to prove that. It's in Hebrews 5, verse 14. 
Okay, let's go back to 13. Let's just go back up. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat. I don't know what that means, strong meat. If that's the, the coarseness of it, if it's not chopped up or if it's some kind of meat, but, but it's strong meat. Whatever that is, it's not just meat. Belongeth, belongeth, belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil by reason of use, by reason of use. So the word says here that we can increase our capacity. We can raise up our potential, our level of achievability is not set. Well, we know that, that it says there, those that are of full age, we know that children, all of us were, can increase with time, with training, with exercising, with use, we increase. Matthew's driving all over the world now. But two years ago, nobody was getting in the car with him. <laughs> Bless you, Lord. I would have got in with you, Matthew. But that's the point, is that we've all increased. And when you quit changing, you're done. You, because even that, that which you think you have is taken away. So you can't even get to a level and say, well, I, I'm happy at this level. If you're not pulling, you're losing. You're backing up. You're regressing. Do you all know any Christians like that that just said good enough and they started sliding back and didn't even know it? You have to pull all the time. We live by faith. I know that's cliche, but we live by faith. And if we don't live by faith, we're not even good livers. Livers, that's good. We're not even people that, that just normally leave, live, lived well. The Amplified says this. Listen to this. But solid food is for a full-grown man. For those whose senses and mental faculties, here it is, are trained by practice, trained by practice, are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary either to divine or human law. This is pretty technical. This is pretty intense. This isn't what you get in normal Christian classes. God's good, devil's bad. Uh, Pastor West, I was talking to him last night and he said, he said this term that he'd heard and I, I got it. Live full and die empty. I don't know where you're going to put that in your Bible, but uh, you can put it in the uh, inside uh, of your, somewhere I would write down, that's what I'm doing. Live full and die empty. Let's say it together. Live full die empty. Don't play it safe. Live full. Live on the edge. Not tempting Christ, but living on the edge. Despise the empty life, but plan for it. I don't want to have an empty life, but I intend to time the end of my life to be empty. Everything's on the table. Everything. I, I emptied out. 
everything I emptied out. I think we should. I think we should go until there's no more to give. I think we should be wide open until we can't. We sang that song, 10,000 Reasons. And I, I, I thought of it, but I can't quote it. But it says something about when my life is coming to an end. What is it, Lynn? And then, and my time is through when my strength is gone. Ought to, we ought to be wide open until we're just done. And then when we're done, we, we ought to leave. Live full and die empty. You know those people that it takes all of their life to live their life. They're not living full. Those people that they have a problem for every solution. You cannot talk them into victory. You cannot talk them into success. You cannot talk them into being at peace and at rest. They have a problem for every solution. We resist that with everything we've got. We, we settle it. We settle it. Okay, this thing is not settled, but we're going to settle it. We're going to settle it where it's at peace, where it's a profitable and blessed situation. We're not going to be defeated by anything, not by our money, not by disease, sickness, and pain, not what people think of us, how they reject us. Matters none. Matters none. Matter of fact, there's a little badge of being persecuted that you should want to live and wear, saying, they don't all like me, praise the Lord. I got a bunch of badges like that. <laughs> Sometimes you're just obnoxious. So we all have to find something in us to make something of us. You have to find what's in you, the five, the two, or the one talent, and build on that. You can't build on what you don't have. I, I'm, I've told you all over and over, and I use it as, as a cliche, but I am not, singing school is not in my future. There's just not anything there to build on. Praise the Lord. So Jesus has made, we've got to come to this. Jesus has made such a difference in me, such a transformation, such a turnaround. Just racked with sin, racked with defeat, racked with failure, racked with, with the possibility of this thing going south in every direction. But he's made such a difference in me, I can't go back. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to flinch to look back like the, like the pillar of salt girl. What was her name? Lot's wife, yeah. She had a bad ending. She, it didn't work out for her. Well, she looked back. And you can't look back, no matter how good it seemed back then. You can't look back. So I'm going to say, grow up. I say it to myself all the time. I point to me and say, Michael, grow up. The only thing is, is the people that the only people that understand what that means don't really need it. Only little ones, only immature ones, only weak ones need to grow up, but they don't understand it. So you really can't find a place to plant the seed of grow up. But on the other hand, we're all contending for more. I'm contending for more. 
I'm not satisfied. I'm, I'm full, I'm fulfilled, but I'm not satisfied because there's always more. If there's breath, there's more potential. I can grow. And who cares? If it's just me, who cares? But the system that the Lord gave us, the kingdom, was that we're here to affect others. Just as somebody was here to affect you. Somebody was here and whether you believe it or acknowledge it, somebody was in the path for you to get born again and to get spirit filled and to lay hands on you to recover and to sow a seed into you. Somebody believed in you and is as insignificant as it seems now. It was a turning point for your life. It was what put your sails in the wind and caused you to take off. The English Standard Version of verse 14 says, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained, trained by constant practice. So capacity is something you have to work at. Constant practice to distinguish good and evil, what's right and what's wrong. So I looked this up. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. It's just, it's just, and you may even disagree because there was lots of, lots of figures there. So I just picked out a set in the middle. 5%, the average casual observer, let me go back to that. The average casual observer increases in knowledge and, and, and uh, understanding by many ways, but the results are quite different. Only 5% of a lecture of inapplicable information, in other words, stuff that's not going to pay your bills at the end of the month, but just information, which is what professors would be handling. It's a certain amount of what we're handling, only we're trying to get applicable information out, but only 5% is retained in 72 hours. So unless they have a vested interest, there's a test coming <laughs> or there's another course that's going to demand I have a residue from this course in order to go to that one without a demand. If it's inapplicable information, only 5% is retained. Y'all understand that's one out of 20 facts stays around. And like I said, you may disagree with it, but 10% of audio or reading of interesting information is retained. So if you're reading Versus someone just talking to you like I'm doing right now, 10% of it's retained. 35% of watching. So I'm assuming the, the lecture is just an audio. 50% of whatever we discuss and debate, like we do at Valor and Virtue. We get in there and say, I don't know about that. Well, but the word says, and well, this is what I found. And, and then those things, half of them stick versus just hearing it or reading it out of a book. And then get this one. Here's where I'm going. 90% of hands-on doing is retained. So if we hear, go out and do, and we go out and do, we will say, in that vein. So it's, it's all the same information, but it's how it's, so approach, we could say that approach is capacity. 
If you refuse to read, if you refuse to do, then you're not going to increase your capacity. This, this would be mean. We might be the one talent man. Maybe the reason he didn't go out and giddy up with the five and two guy is because he just wasn't interested. He just heard it and said, ah, he even made the argument. Ah, he, he's always getting more from somewhere. He's got plenty. He just gave me one. He doesn't trust me. All the excuses. I'm just going to go bury mine. And when he comes back, it'll all be fine. It won't matter. What if we did that with this? Would you engage with me to say that most churches, most Christians, most of the, the masses that say I'm a Christian probably don't engage the word of God, but they're hearers and not doers? It says be a hearer and be a, a doer of the word, not hearers only. Uh, repetition. Now, here's what we're doing. This is number three of this series. There's more following. Episode number 23 is coming. Hallelujah. We're going to repeat because we don't have a good way or a, a proven way or an out of culture way to minister this message. But we are moving into virtue and valor where we do, where we, we actually contend for the truth. We contend for it. We don't just say yada, yada, yada. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. We contend for it and say, why is this true? Why, why is this true? What, well, well, what did Jesus say? What does the word say? What will it do? How will it turn out? How will it increase for you? Oh, so it increases us. We're talking about potential here, capacity, achievability. What is it that makes us more of who we are within the least amount of time? You and I have taken 20, 30 maybe 40 years to get to this point that we're at right now. Depending on when you started, depending under what system you started, you may have blown up 10 or 15 years. I certainly did. But what I did is when I got the Holy Ghost and started that Bible study in my home, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I mean, I was an empty tank. So I was a farmer and I'd go to church on Wednesday, but Thursday morning, I'd go out and start my water, go out and start the hands and go out and get stuff started. And then I had to come home and I had to bury myself in a book and this for a 45 or 35 minute teaching that night. And when I did, you could just you could just see the tank running dry. There was a gauge on me. You could just see the more I talked, the more it went down. And all of a sudden, that's all. <laughs> and I was done. I knew I'd given them everything that was in me and they knew as much as me at that point. But then we did something like eat cookies or pray for one another. And they went home and I got to do it again the next week. That's how it's been working. First Corinthians chapter nine. Approach is a capacity. So we should be involved in things that have a higher return. Of, of retention, a higher retention. Let's see. First Corinthians chapter nine. Now, it may seem like I'm all over the place with this, and, I, I, and I, I pretty much am. But I've been wrestling with this thing, trying to get this out just right for all of us. Uh, verse 25 says, uh, 
Every man that striveth for the mastery. Can you say that part with me? The mastery. Again, the mastery. Striveth for the mastery. Contends for the mastery. Engages for excellence. Uh, a desire and a demand to win. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to, now the world does it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So that puts us, he, he, by that statement there, he's saying that we also strive for mastery. He says the world strives for mastery, but we also, we just have a different goal. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So we're contending for a higher level of retention to increase our, effectible, our effectiveness, to increase our value, to, to be the five-talent man where he said, Thou, well done. The two-talent man, well done. The one-talent man, get out of my face. Verse 27, but I keep my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself, I myself should be a castaway. The word there is a backslider. So he's talking about we're in a race and that we're called to not just be born again, not just to say, I got it, and so let's go back to living in the world because I got my ticket punched. My fire insurance is in place. The policy says it'll pay every time when I die. I'm going to heaven. And that's, that's it. But that's not what the word says. And so the same word that said this is how you get born again also says this is how the born again live. And we live by faith. We are bought with a price. Uh, the the uh, weast version, which is kind of the multiple choice, it's a different kind of, of uh, amplified. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are spiritually mature. I'm, I'm going back up to the, the Hebrews 5 scripture. Solid food belongs to those who are spiritually mature, to those who on account of long usage have their powers of perception exercised. So every day is a busy day. Well, I worked hard yesterday. I'm taking off today. No, not if you're a Christian. Powers of perception exercised to the point where they are able to discriminate between both that which is good in character and that which is evil. So we wrote down the other day, and I'm going to repeat it, the potential. What does potential mean? Potential means capable of being. Capable of being. You have the potential. I'm capable of being that. I'm not that, but I'm capable of being that. It means to becoming possible as opposed to the actual. So there's a, there's a future that I can grow and sow and live into, but I'm not there yet. But I see it and I even want it. It's dormant ability. I see that in you. There's something in you. How do you see that? I'm not doing anything. I see that. There's signs. There's evidence that you could be and do and have so much more or so much different than what you are right there. It's reserved power. Untapped strength. Unused success. Hidden talents. Unknown. The unknown. It's a mystery. When we pray in tongues, y'all, 
we tap our potential. Because we pray out what? Mysteries. What are mysteries? Well, it's the unseen. It's the capable of being. It's the, the uh, impossible becoming possible. When we pray out in the Holy Ghost, we're tapping into our potential. There's the seen, the known, the, the today, and then there's our potential, our capacity, our achievability. What, what am I designed to turn into? What am I designed to have? And I'm just not there yet because I'm like a child that, that can't shoot a shotgun, but bless the Lord, when I turn 16, I'll be shooting everything out of the sky. It is carried it all your life and never released. That's what capacity is. Carried it all your life, but never released. Well, I want it. it the, the bell's been ringing. Pavlov's dog is, is, is trying to get a treat, and I, I, I want it. It means all you can be, but have not yet become. What if, what if the Lord had more? What if this life here was contrary and short of all sufficiency in all things, always abounding to every good work? What if my life did not line up with exceeding abundantly above all you could ask, think, or imagine? What if that? Okay, she's gone. It's all you can do but have not done, all you can have but not yet acquired. I'd say there's more. There's more. Well, how did California get all those gold diggers? Because they heard there was more. They could heard you can, you can hook up to a mule in Missouri and, and farm and pull and wear yourself out all your life. Or you can go over the hill and you can be rich by the weekend. And so they said, that's a potential that I'm interested. So we're contending. I'm contending. I'm contending. Like the duck. We talked about the duck. Seems so well on top of the water, but the feet are just turning under. The, the, they're just, the, the web feet are just turning underneath. That's what we are. We're, we're all docile and domestic and kind and, and law-abiding. But bless the Lord, don't get in my way. I'm heading for the prize. I'm going after what's mine. I know who I am by faith and bless the Lord. Nothing, no devil, no person, no situation is going to get in my way. I have a solution for every problem. I am living my life to the full. So Dr. Cole, I, I don't know if y'all remember him or, or what he said, but he talks about the necessity of suffering. And I'm a no suffer guy. I don't like to suffer. I don't like to suffer at all. But there is a suffering that we all experience that we're willing to engage. So there's a lot of suffering to get a college degree. A lot of suffering. Time, you got to study. You got to study. You got to know stuff you'll say like I did in, in uh, trigonometry. I will never use this in my life and I will always position myself to never use this in my life. I'm dropping this class. And I was there Tuesday morning in the withdrawal department saying, no, <laughs> that man spoke for an hour and didn't say a word I understood and said, now that review is over, we will take on new stuff. Withdrawal was my name. Hallelujah. There's suffering to get a degree. There's suffering to learn a craft. There's suffering to learn pinpoint or to learn how to dig post holes or how to put on a metal roof. There's suffering 
where you become a, you're an apprentice and then you become a journeyman and then you become a craftsman. Is there one over that? Anyway, you grow into that. Well, Christians just think one size fits all. I'm born again. I, we went from, went from a embryo to a full grown, got it all. And maybe that's not true. We suffer to elevate ourselves in life. Well, why do we do what we do? Well, a lot of it's our children. We suffer because we want them to have as good or better a life than we did. And often, often we don't think we had the best life that we could have had. Our potential was more than what our parents could supply. He couldn't afford this. They couldn't afford that. We didn't have time for this. Therefore, I got left behind. I have this tremendous uh, musical or whatever that. And uh, but but I'm going to continue that after we suffer to gain finances. We go to school. Why does anybody go to college? It's to have an edge on a financial life or, or something like that. It's got to do with that. We suffer uh, in service to others. Why do we suffer to serve others? Because we know that if we suffer to serve others, the word says that others will rise up and serve us. Am I, am I right? We suffer. Uh, we suffer by, in church, we suffer the repetition of hearing the same message over and over again. Thinking, well, I don't need anything else. And then suddenly we realize we didn't have anything at all. Suddenly the door opened and it, what we were looking for came in. But you got to suffer through everybody's thing. This is Mother's Day. And we, we know mothers suffer. Most of them, not all of them. Some, some mothers just had children. And then they moved on with their life. But that's not who we're talking about. Mothers suffer. And we all are the beneficiaries of them. Could I have a better amen? Fathers are not dirt bags. They, many are, but many are not. And a good father is, is rare. And there's suffering there. Uh, we are suffering here at River Church in order to prepare for the older men to teach the younger men, for the older women to teach the younger women. That's what the word says. But there's a suffering there. When you could be taking your life at leisure, you're out teaching and ministering to others. Uh, learning to heal the sick. Let me tell y'all, there's a suffering to that. And you get your healing and you're all okay, but you want to help others. There's a suffering. You can't just, just rise up and say, well, I'm just going to go do it. You got you to gotta learn. You got to experience. You got to practice on that. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, please. He's almost done. Chapter 3, verse 6. Are you all okay? It says in verse 6 of Philippians 3, concerning zeal, Paul's talking, he said concerning zeal of himself, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, he said, I was blameless. I was full tilt. I got up early and stayed out late. I never backed up. 
concerning zeal. But what things were gained to me, he said, I, I was involved in all those things without peer. He said, but what things that I gained, I counted them loss for Christ. So here's, here's a point. We could, we could suffer doing the wrong thing and it not change our capacity. You could suffer for religious reasons and it not change anything for the positive. So we can't just say, well, I'm busy, I'm suffering, I'm studying, I'm, I'm, I'm not having fun, therefore I must be increasing. That wouldn't necessarily be true. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Verse 8, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, except for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He said, there's the true suffering. Suffer everything for the cause of Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. Say it with me. That I may know him. Suffering is so that I may know him. So we've got to do a lot of peeling, a lot of distancing, a lot of sanctifying. Because he's not where we have been. He's not in the things we've been doing. He's not in the things we've been hearing. He's not in the people we've been chasing. He's not in the doctrine of devils. He said, I may know him in the fellowship of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And here it is. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after that, if that I may apprehend, here it is, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I can't quit until he quits with me. Until he's done with me, I'm not done. We're talking about chasing the Lord, pursuing the Lord. Why, when does this end, Lord? When will I have enough? When will I graduate and can take it on the porch with the hammock and just kick back? He said, not until he's through with you can you be through with him. Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. Contending. There's something more in before. If we were just born again and done, there wouldn't be anything left to be before us. But, but there is, isn't there? Verse 14. Oh, my. Read it with me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's read it again. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm going to yield to that pressing. I'm going to yield to it. I'm going to let him have his way instead of resisting. Lord, I got a lot of living. I got a lot of fun I'm missing here. Instead of being in church on Sunday, I could be doing some things. And isn't that the truth? Seems like the best day of the week is when we have church. <laughs> 
the best time of the day of the best day of the week. So uh, I want to I want to lay hands on everyone this morning. I, I don't do that often. We should do it often, but I don't for whatever reason. But I feel like there's impartation this morning that we need to go to the next place. It's not me. It's not me any more than it's you when you lay hands on the sick. Did you hear me? I'm not, I'm not saying get a, get a dab of Michael this morning. I'm saying just like you wouldn't say get a dab of, 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 uh, of Melissa. I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to impart me to you. We're, we're not doing that. We're imparting him that's in us. And that's what I want to do. And so I'm depending on a potential being awakened, a capacity being enlarged, an achievability that we didn't notice that suddenly by revelation, we see and know and say, I, I'm pressing. I'm leaving stuff behind. That would be as important as anything you could get to go forward is to see what it is we cut off that's behind. Nobody can preach that to you. Nobody can say, give up your knitting or give up your 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 NASCAR or give up your. Nobody can say that it would be evil and wrong if they did. You have to have that by revelation. It's personal. It's inward. And unless you get it inward, it won't work. It won't last. Anybody that tells you no is just a come on to, I think I'll do it. <laughs> if they say don't do that, we're going to be doing it twice this weekend. <laughs> That's the way we are. We double dog dare them. So we're going to do that this morning. We're just going to, we're going to see what the Lord says. I'm, I'm telling you that story I told you about the key, the piano guy. Uh, he's still going. They said when his mom and daddy die, the older sister from her first marriage is going to take him over because he still can't do anything. But you can see God saying him. And I want God to come into me in a way that's not just speaking better or sleeping better, although that's all good. But something that would be so noteworthy that you'd say, we've had a visitation. We've, we, it happened. And why did it happen? Because somebody intervened. Mama said, there's life in me. Jesus, there's life in me. And whoever I touch, there's going to be life in them. And it was, it was unprofessional and un, didn't have verse and didn't have, you could tell, but it was right. And so we can do a lot of things that aren't just really, but they're right. So let's stand up this morning.